pass from Havili was magic. The shift on for Crotty. Boom, far down you go, Quaggett Smith. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that. Yes, boy. Sit back, relax, put your belt on, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 21 of the Draft Rugby Podcast, where we discuss fantasy super rugby, the game they play online in heaven. You can find the website at draftrugby.com and get after us on the socials at Draft Rugby. Joining me on the pod tonight over Zoom, I have Harry Dale. Mate, how are you and how do you enjoy the week rugby on the weekend? Mate, I'm very good. Loving seeing more footy. Hoping that I can see a game where there's less than 30 penalties, but uh, otherwise, yeah, love and life. You've changed the, uh, the camera angle for those we are video recording. We'll put it up on YouTube, but you've changed the angle just to make sure that the trophy uh, is fitting in the background because uh, it currently resides at your house, the reigning champ. Yeah, look, it's much more impressive up closer to the camera, isn't it? Well, we can see you're struggling under the weight there. But, yep, no, you heard a little peep out of Nelson. He couldn't, he, he couldn't help, but uh, something had to come out there. So Nelson is also joining us. Nels, how are you, mate? Um, looks, like you've, looks like you've lost all your hair from um, all the breakdown penalties on the weekend. I know as a, as a fetcher, mate, has that really stressed you out? Oh, mate, actually, it, it did tear me apart, especially in that Crusaders match, because... There was just no rhyme or reason on which ones were getting penalised and which ones weren't. There could be three terribly like offensive breakdowns in a row, and then the fourth one could be sweet, and then they—that's the one that gets penalised. So there's definitely—I uh, had, had myself pulling my hairs out and, and counting them as, as that match went on. But now look, it's good to, to get a couple more matches under the belt for us to watch. And I mean, I'm just happy I was the only one here to get two from two on my tips, boys. Mm, thank God we're not counting. <laughs> I did count. Well, there's always someone <clears throat> counting. Um, no, that's true. No, I, I suspect um, I suspect these penalties are going to be a theme of uh, of this competition. We're going to be speaking about I, them a lot. Yeah, I, I think we'll see it evolve and change a little bit. I think they're being a bit too too tough on the attacking team. The attacking team has been getting penalised absolutely ridiculously. And um, I mean, if you look close enough at pretty much every ruck over the last 10 years, you're going to find that you can penalise most of them. So um, I think we need to find a balance where there's a little bit more leeway given to the attacking side um, to actually promote the, the attacking side, trying to chance their arm a little bit. Yeah, yeah I was, Craig's I was, and I were talking pre-pod, just basically saying that we thought uh, the diving off their feet for the attacking team, surely one that they've got to ease up on. That one is, is giving a lot of penalties to the attacking side when they're just trying to clean the ball out. And it's, it was, um, been, it's yeah. not, not that big of an issue to me, to be honest. There was a few in that um, Crusaders game where you had three of the attacking team players go off their feet in a row. Like, three came together and went off their feet. Then all of a sudden, one guy, like, kind of slipped over a little bit and there's no defender there. And then that's the one they penalised. Like, it, it just didn't seem like... The, the rules were being equally applied to every single ruck. And I think that's the biggest issue. Um, if you're going to penalise them for going off their feet, that's fine, but you have to do it consistently. Yeah, I think, I, I think that's you're a good point. More penalties. No, I'm just saying, if you're doing it consistently, it, it will reduce how many times it happens because everyone knows that every time you do it, you're going to get penalised. But if it happens one out of every four times... And, and there's blatantly obvious times it's happening and they're not getting penalised, then you're going to probably do it more often than not. As a flanker, you're going to try and chance your arm, you know, if it's not getting pinged all the time. But if it's getting pinged all the time, you're not going to, you're not going to do it. Well, that's the thing. They said they're going to be really strict on the breakdown uh, mm. this year. And I think, um, you know, they're trying to speed in efforts to speed up the game. But uh, by, with so many penalties, they're really slowing it right down. So I think, I don't know if they're, if they're aiming to penalise mm. competing at breakdowns out of existence or... Um, what the play is, but we'll definitely see a change in tactics, I think. Um, I think I think Nelson's right. They just need to try and give the advantage back to the attacking team. That was the whole point of it all, right? Yeah, I'll go into a bit of depth. I think something that I, I noticed in that Crusaders match when we, we come to it, but... Yeah, yeah I think uh, like a three-page essay on it. <laughs> I, was, I was about to say, that the word depth and the Crusaders game, yeah, Nelson uh, watched the game this afternoon and uh, he, he wrote a good, uh, a long piece, long long opinion piece on that. So um, oh, yeah. 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 We'll, certainly, we'll certainly be asking him to summarise uh, his, his points when we get to that game. But, um, yeah, anyway, alas, yeah. that, that does bring us to uh, our mm. menu for tonight. Uh, for Entree, we're going to uh, naturally review Super Rugby. Oh, I still have to Thank you. Um, Aotearoa? Yeah, Aotearoa. Like Maori. Excellent. Aotearoa. Uh, yeah. Just, you just want to say the A's, that's it. 
Aotearoa. Oh, but now you're adding letters in. Okay, well, look, round two. Um, we're, we're reviewing that, and then we're going to look at round three for main course. And for dessert, um, we're going to, off the cuff, just predict, uh, predict who will rise and fall in this new competition. I just um, worked out why you've been saying it wrong, mate. It's because you can't spell it. Yeah, adding letters. You're crazy, mate. Well, uh, with, with no further ado, how about we get into our entree? Uh, so the buy this week was the Highlanders. And the first fixture we had the Chiefs taking on the Blues at home in Waikato in Hamilton. Uh, again, a pretty sold-out stadium. About, I think there was 23,000 attendance, which is pretty solid. Um, that's got to be near full gates. So, um, yeah, good atmosphere. And um, who wants to kick us off with this one? How'd this game turn out? And score. Uh, the Blues upsetting the Chiefs at home. I think, uh, Nelson, you were pretty happy with yourself getting that one right. 24 to 12 away from home. And obviously with such a short season, you'd think that away wins when it's a home and away fixtures head to head. It's just going to be so, so valuable. So this is a massive win for the Blues. I think the first time they've beaten there since 2011. Um, And also their fifth record away win in a row. So never before have they got five in in a row away from home. So massive, massive game for them um, and a very good performance. You had Akira Iwane and Siena Mafaleo coming back. Yeah, Iwane, obviously, Kagi's favourite player in the world, starting at number six, which I don't think we've ever seen a Tibrog before, have we? I can't say that we have. I don't think we have, no. I, I think he may have um, moved to six, or potentially at some point. He definitely hasn't started that I know of. Yeah, and, and Mafaleo on the bench as well as a, a solid backup prop. <clears throat> uh, an an, an enormous had, backup prop. And it was huge. <laughs> And uh, new injuries in this one. You had Brad Weber go off in the second half, late in the second half for a concussion test. Apparently he passed that HIA, um, which should mean that you'll see him next week. So we'll see how we go. Yeah, he'll still go through those protocols, but yeah, more but than likely we'll see him. He shouldn't, he shouldn't have to go through the protocol if he passed the test. They were talking about, uh, who was the Crusaders guy that got concussed? Oh, not concussed. He passed his HIA and they're saying he's being forced to go through the protocols anyway. So I'm guessing they're just being strict. Yeah, Gatlin came out and talked about it. Gatlin? Mm. Yeah, raise up. Well, yeah, see what happens. Um, Are you sure? Did you get concussed on the weekend, Nels? Because I don't know if you know what team or what players we're talking about here. but um, It's it's in the notes somewhere. It's in the notes somewhere. Um, Yeah, the Chiefs now have lost four out of the last five. Um, Something that when I was discussing that with Harry on the weekend, he didn't seem to believe it. Um, We we all thought they were going to come into this... I think they're too Sorry. good for that. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, well, the way we talked about this year, Jesus. Yeah, it's fair enough. We we expected them to probably top that the table, but the things haven't gone sort of that way for them. Um, there's a bit of pressure starting to build on Gatlin. He came in, and I think people expected a lot, or at the very least, they expected something that that they're not seeing at the moment. Um, a few of their key players probably aren't playing to the the level that we're used to. Um, Maybe D-Max, one of those examples. This week, I think he probably had a poorer game than last week. Last week, he, he pulled out some good stats, but didn't seem as influential. Um, this week, I think he, he really, yeah, he, he took a step back. He ran lots of metres. Um, he tried to distribute a little bit more, but didn't really stamp himself on that game. Um, but I've, this I've is got to say, this is for D-Max expected level, right? Like, uh, expected yeah, level. I actually thought he was still pretty solid, but for the, the impact yeah. that he can have on a game, you mean? He, yeah, he'd be one defender. He had no offloads, no line breaks. Um, he ran 100 metres or 100, uh, just over 100 metres. So he ran lots, well but well. he didn't really kick break well the well, line. Yeah. Sorry? Kicked very well as well for goal. Kicked very well. Kicked very well. But again, not what you normally expect for him. You normally expect him de- uh, beating defenders, breaking the line, things along those lines as well. Um, this is the Blues' first win in Hamilton since all the way back in 2011. Um, but also was their, their re- franchise record fifth away um, win, win in a row. So they've won five now in a row. That's um, a good point that we've said it twice already. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't hear you say that. I was too busy worrying about other stuff. But, yeah, no, look, the, the Chiefs look massively improved in that first 10 minutes. 
um, especially through the, the work of their forwards, which is something that they needed, which was a little bit of surprising, I suppose, with, with their lock pairing. They're missing a, a few sort of forwards there as well. Um, but I think that was, that was important for them um, early on in this match with the heavy rain. But I don't know if they kept it up for the whole match. Um, I think that's sort of something that the, the game maybe deteriorated over the match because the forwards in tight didn't necessarily keep up that effort. Yeah, no, I think that's a, that's a good point. That's, that's probably the key differ, difference maker in this match was uh, if you compare the two uh, back rows. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, my boy Akira, he came back, had a good run. He led the carries for the Blues. But um, Oskins Satutu, again, just, you know, as much as I love Akira and want him back in that eight jersey, even I can't, even I can't admit that that needs to happen because Satutu, man of the match, um, and he just into everything. Scored a try, try assist. I mean, that pass, that silky pass for that try assist, that, uh, you know, looked like a, a veteran inside centre or a fly half type uh, job there. It was... Mate, he is everything you want from Akira, but better. <laughs> like, attitude and stuff. Like, he's brilliant. I was watching it with Nelson. And how about their turnover, Nelson, where that grubber went downfield? I'm like, oh, that's a good kick. Nice, Rico. And then you yeah. hear, oh, Hoskins Satutu puts yeah. a grubber through. Yeah. Like, oh, of course. <laughs> of yeah, course he does. Ridiculous. <laughs> That's because they all have the same bleached hair job. You don't know who's who. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, well... Rico's is worse, though, let's be honest. He's got the worst bleached hair out of all of them. No, I think that's fair. Um, But, yeah, in in terms of comparing those two back rows, I think um, the stab that really stood out for Harry and I was um, the the tackling. So, huge work rate from both of them. And we just talked about the Blues really getting uh, getting through some attack there, but... The, just the work rate. So the, in the tackling, Satutu, 15 out of 16 tackles. Akira, 12 out of 12. Papali'i, 15 out of 15. So they made 41 of 42 tackles, the back row. It's at 90, about 98% almost. So absolutely ridiculous. Um, but, I mean, the, it's not like the Chiefs' back row was dropped off, dropped off the mark that much. They were still just below 90% in terms of the tackling. But, uh, I mean, the, they, they, whilst there was a rough, similar amount of carries, those blues back row made about three times the meters. They just made it count, basically. So the interesting thing was, I mean, if you look at that Chiefs back row, that's an extremely dynamic, extremely good back row as well. Yeah. You got Luke Jacobson returning back in after, obviously. I mean, he played last week, but off a bit of a, a break, and everyone's been waiting to see him. He's an All Black. You've got uh, Lachlan Boshier, who's been killing it in the first half of the season. Peter Gus, he, I mean, he's such a dynamic, strong player, but they definitely got outdone in this match. And I think part of the crucial part of that was um, it's, it's this breakdown. It's the how strict they are on the breakdown. So Jacobson and Boshier, that would give you nightmares uh, in trying to retain, yeah, trying to keep the ball. Um, and both of them were just getting pinged all night. Uh, I, I think I don't know how many they gave, but man, it must have been a lot. Yeah, yeah Boshi. I remember Boshi got a really good one at the end, like a textbook. You know, ten guys coming in on him, and, and they eventually awarded that. But yeah, they gave away a, a good handful, five or six penalties between them at least. Um, and that's an interesting thing that in this match it was policed very differently to the other match of the weekend. Uh, yes. I'm trying to remember how it was policed. I just remember it was policed terribly in both of them. But, um... Yeah, it was policed terribly. It was just extremely different. We'll go into the Crusaders when it comes, but they, there was just no consistency out of the two. That's true. Now, uh, so we talked about the back rows being a big difference maker, uh, one of the, the big differentials in this game. The Blues back back three, or the, uh, the big outside backs. Now, they really lit it up last week, but um, it was interesting this week. They were fairly anonymous in the first half. You didn't even see any of uh, Caleb Clark, Talea or Rico. Um, it's kind I, I of amazing. You, I saw you see this, but then I, I remember in the first 10 minutes thinking, oh my God, it's pouring rain. Remember the first shot and else we were sitting yeah. down and we saw the close up and they'd just been running such crazy attacking lines yeah. that I actually said to you, I was like, oh my God, their skills are insane. It's pouring rain. And yeah. I had absolutely no idea. So I thought that early on, that was probably more a case of the fact that the Chiefs forwards looked really, really switched on. Mm. Um, yeah, for and, sure. And I, I think they kind of warmed into the game for sure. Uh, like you said, in, in the set, more in the second half, but the really important thing I thought to take away from that was the role of Talea. So he was the left winger all through the start of Super Rugby this year uh, before the COVID break and obviously was lighting it up, the top try scorer in the competition and everyone's calling for him to be in an all-black jersey at the end of the year. 
Fast forward to post-COVID break, Caleb Clark comes back from New Zealand Sevens. They stick him on his favourite left wing and push Talair to the right side. Now, Talair's not playing badly, but I would say he's probably got a quarter of the opportunities he did before sure. he on the left-hand side. All the ball goes down Caleb Clark's side and the Blues just seem to love attacking that left-side wing. And I think it looks like, you know, for your fantasy managers out there and for your punters out there, that left-side attack for the Blues is just an absolute damaging weapon. Yeah, look, I mean, Talia was still pretty brilliant over that match. He, he beat four defenders and had a couple of line breaks, but it just he just didn't seem to get the ball anywhere near as much. He's good with the ball when he gets the chance. The difference simply is just how many opportunities he gets in that match. Yeah. So are we saying if we chuck Nelson down the left wing, even he'll look good? Is that what we think? Um, it doesn't go that far. Okay. <laughs> Back in the olden days, maybe. The old, uh, what was it, 10, 10.7 nils? Is that what I know you haven't forgotten, mate? So. Oh, mate, I'm definitely not going to argue with that. We'll keep it under that. <laughs> was it 10? Oh, yeah, actually, that's... 50 metres, yeah. <laughs> it was 11.3 it was when I was 15, so... Okay. I, I, don't, I don't think I ever got 10.7, though. Look, mate, I don't... Uh, these aren't times I indulge in. I only look at the 20-yard uh, dash. Uh, so. <laughs> mate, if, you're, if you're under 11, you're lightning. Very good. All right. Well, uh, any, do we have any other points to kind of round this out before we get into the match stats and um, fantasy band of the match? Yeah, it's interesting seeing uh, Bodie Barrett move to fly half for that final 20. Um, I think that's something that we're going to need to see more of. Um, he, he just seems to control that team quite well. Money was another good game from, from Otero Black. Um, He's sort of showing his influence on that team. And, and interesting to see Harry Plummer come on and play 12 as well in the back half. Yep. He, he did. I think we've talked about this before. He did play 12 for New Zealand under 20s for I think two years, actually. So he's, he's well-versed. And I think it's because he was just, a, he's got a slightly bigger body. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, definitely. I think he's probably going to find himself putting his hand up for that more and more if he wants to get any time on the park, really. So, probably. Yeah. Take anything he can. Uh, in, terms of the, in terms of the match stats, the, there was a few differences here. Possession was 55% to the uh, Chiefs, uh, territory 54%. They actually dominated the metres 401 to 292. They had less of the offloads, three to five, less turnovers, one, six to eight. But they were 190 to 60 rucks. The biggest telling stat, I think, out of these was their uh, scrummaging. They got four of six scrums. They got 67%. Uh, whereas the Blues got four from four, making that 100%. And in penalties, there was nine to 13. Better, Very good. Better on the penalty count, definitely. Yep. All right. Well, in terms of fantasy points, the fantasy man of the match was none other than the man we've talked a lot about, Hoskins Satutu, 52 points. Bagged himself a try, try assist, uh, seven runs for 24 metres and 15 of 16 tackles, as we talked on. Akira, not far behind, 50 points. Tui Pilotto, 47 points. Big Paddy is someone who I've really loved. He looks in incredible shape. Um, he's looking good. Yeah, he's just an absolute weapon. Uh, and Talea, 42 points. For the Chiefs, we had Quintapaya of 49 points and D-Mac with 44. So still finds his way in there, even in a bad game for him. Uh What's the 12 minutes on in this game? No, we'll leave that note. All right, so how about we move on to um, the next game? Yep, so the Hurricanes versus the Crusaders. Another away win here with the Crusaders upsetting the Hurricanes 25 to 39. Five tries to one in a game where I think after the first 15 minutes when the Crusaders went up by a couple of tries, our, our thread we were saying it's men against boys at this stage. It was just so incredibly one-sided. The Chiefs, the Crusaders were doing whatever the hell they wanted and you would have had no idea that they didn't play in week one of the competition that was their first game back. Do you mean at the end of minute one when they scored yeah, a... Yeah, that's right, that's right. Absolute team try that looked incredible. Seriously, we'll get to that though. Returning, you had Sammy Whitelock back from his sabbatical and what a well-timed return with uh, the old dog roll not playing in the team and being in real <laughs> doubt for the rest of the season. And Ethan Blackadder as well, also another another quality quality lock um, slash six, right? Yeah, mainly six. He's he's not a huge guy. I know he can be both, but he's not. He's you see him standing next to White Lock, and he was tiny compared to him. I think yeah, right. Colin yeah. Grace is more of a lock than Blackadder. I think Colin Grace is a bit bigger yeah, than Ethan Blackadder. Okay, mm. fair enough. 
Um, anyway, back from his shoulder operation as well, his shoulder reconstruction back in October. And you had one new injury, Braden Enor. We, never, we didn't see it actually happen, but got pulled at halftime apparently with a hamstring injury. And we haven't got any more detail just yet on how bad that is. Generally, they scan them pretty quick. So I reckon hopefully midweek we get some good info. Check out the casualty award. Yeah. Yeah, rolling into this actual game, the... It was pretty atrocious, the, the line-outs. There was overthrows by Coles. He did at least three. Taylor, he was throwing terrible line-outs. One that led to a, a try, I think, against them potentially, or penalties against them, actually, and, and losing opportunities when they could have scored tries in the line as well. So both of them pretty crucial in terms of scoring points and giving points away. But I think one of the biggest telling things, we were, we were touching on it before, the, the penalties in this match. Um, early on, the Crusaders were on the wrong side of this penalty count. Uh, they were they were down eight to one after 26 minutes, and that went into about 10 to four at half time. But there were some really strange calls in this match. There was at least four times um, that a player, an attacking player with ball in hand, was penalised for not letting go of the ball, um, and it was literally split second, like tackled down the ground. The defender touched the ball, not even necessarily in a realistic position of getting the ball. Then defenders came and cleaned them out and they were penalising them for not letting go. And I mean, to the point that I've never, ever seen anything like that before and happened four times in this match. So in that instance, obviously favouring the defensive side, but then on the flip side, um, I thought one of the best things Kariffi did in the match was he uh, had a, a real solid attack at the ball and he was penalised for not letting go. And he was not even the, def- the tackler. So yeah. I think that was really poorly penalised in this match. I said that to Harry just before. I said, normally I'm not on Karifi's side because he, yeah. he goes in on everything. But there was yeah. there was twice then that he was definitely second man in and they said no release. And it was like, sorry, yeah. what? It's crazy. Uh, those penalties kept the Canes in the game early on. I think one of the biggest things as well was the fact that they didn't seem willing to take the opportunities at tries or, or going for, for lineouts and scrums. Twice they were within 10 metres of the opposition try line in the middle of the field. Once when there was a yellow card to uh, Goodhue and they still elected to go for the penalty. So they had two new, or they had one new centre on and one centre missing. Yet they went for the points. Um, to, to there was no attacking position. What was that, Aaron? They asked TJ Perinara about that in the post-game press conference, or the interview, sorry, on the sideline. And he basically said, look, when the other team gets such a good start like that, sometimes you've just got to try and accumulate a few points to stay in touch while they're going around sure. and hope the game swings. And 63 minutes into the game, yeah. it was 25 all. So... I don't know. I actually thought it was a good decision. I know the commentators were criticising that um, penalty kick early in the second half when Goodhue went off, but surely it makes sense. Kick the points, get within three points with another nine minutes with a man in the bin and have a crack at them then. Yeah, yeah look, capitalise I, on it once the man was off. I, I tend to disagree. I think um, if you're the captain, there's been numerous penalties against the other team. Someone's just been sent off. The last scrum you had, the other team got penalised. I'd probably continue that pressure on, especially there's no better position to uh, to, to scrum um, when you're inside another team's 22 and you're in the exact middle of the field. And now missing a defender, there's so much space. There's no better opportunity to take that scrum. Whether you're four points down, seven points down, I mean, you're against the Crusaders. You're eventually going to have to score some tries to beat them. Sure, they stayed in the game because of it, but they, I also think they lost the game because of it. If you're not willing to go for a try, you'll stay in the game, sure, when you, you take your points, but you're going to have to score a try to beat the, the, the Crusaders. I think, look, it, it nearly worked out for them. It's uh, like they took the goal, they kicked, received possession again, and they got right back down there, but then they gave away. It wasn't a stupid yeah. pen- I forget what the penalty was for. It was kind of a stupid penalty. Um, yeah. But they, they had got... Pete infringement, the good yeah. few one. Yeah, look, but as soon as they received the ball, they, they ended up losing points off the back of that. They didn't get out. I don't think they got out of the half. They lost points, and there was a penalty kick back against them because the Crusaders were happy to slow that down and take points when they had the opportunity to. See, but the, the risk here is, like, in a situation like that, you can't predict three phases in. you just got to back yourself to be able to continue to attack a team with 14 men. It's a whole other failing, the fact that they're conceding points with 14, playing against 14 men on the field. Of course. As I said, I still think you've got no good here or anyone on the field. I'd be going for the, the scrum. But no, so you've got David Avili in the centre. He's as good as any team. That's true. Yeah, when the commentator said that, they go, oh, they're, they're down a centre. They've, they're it's like um, they've got David Avili. David Avili plays both centres. Calm down, mate. Right? He <laughs> plays every position. Okay. You, yeah. you gifted an overlap. 
So how about, how about him bumping Nani Lamape? That's yeah. yeah. Who does that? <laughs> Coming back from losing all his body weight from having a body organ removed or part of an organ removed. I think Lamape yeah. thought he could just go in at about 30% uh, to that one. He was like, oh, I've got him covered. Don't worry about it. But um, yeah, yeah. tasting his own medicine. Or difference. Nah, yeah. That's pretty crazy. Look, speaking of the uh, Crusaders' back line, I just thought in attack and defence, there's no, there's no back line anything like them. So in attack, how lethal did they look? Severi scoring after one minute, as Kagi touched on before, on the back of the entire team getting involved. Then after 13 minutes, Braden Enor picking up a try through a grubber as well. They look just so dangerous, so ominous, and they just take every single opportunity that's given them given to them. Will Jordan, an absolute beast, 111 run metres. David <laughs> Ophelia comes on and blows a team away in the 40 minutes on the park, even though his centre partner is gone for 10 minutes. Their attack is insane. <clears throat> and then in defence, the entire back line is so fast and so accurate in the tackle. Like, who cares if they're a man down? They're just going to shadow you to the sideline and knock you out. Lamb tried to run around them at one point. Severus just let him go and then just <laughs> hammered him over the line. They're insane. And it's just defensively, defensively, they are ridiculous. Their speed and their ability to read the play as well is awesome. The thing for for mine, and I want to see what you guys think on this, is this particularly from the first try for the Crusaders. The Kiwi teams are better than anyone in the world at, um, at supporting the play. So, you know, they get into space and they always have a man or two running a good angle on the inside, offering options and supporting the play. Crusaders... Yeah. I was going to say, the Crusaders, like no other team on the planet, they do that, but they always have like four or five players who have sprinted through and are supporting the play. They have so many options. And it just means that like, you know, I was thinking they always make the right decision or they always make good decisions, but they just have so many options to, to make that it's oh, hard look, to make a wrong decision. Like yeah, Exactly right. I mean, realistically, if you're at that line and they decided to pass out to Severa Reese, who then had a lot of work to do where they could have just passed in to Will Jordan, who had just run it under the post with no one near him. That was the wrong choice, but it doesn't matter. You gave it to Severo Reese, so he's going to beat the one or two blokes in front of him anyway. Like, I don't think it's every Kiwi side, but the Crusaders definitely Chiefs more often than not, maybe not so much uh, as much well, recent. I just mean like that they just, the Crusaders mm. particularly stand out. The Kiwis in general, sure. they were better than everyone else. Like, for example, yeah. Perinara's support lines for the Hurricanes coming through. He's always there. But the Crusaders, exemplified in that first try, they had f- at least four people running through and supporting in the first minute of the game. I mean, uh, they're all fresh, obviously, but just so many options. And Joe yeah, Moody has been the best supporter. And bloody Joe team Moody. Team yeah, that's it. We, oh, my God. We liked, well, I like to trash on Joe Moody, but he probably, oh. Harry and I were saying he probably had the best game we've ever seen him play. <clears throat> so he was into everything. He, he, I think he, had, he imposed himself a lot early on in the game. And then I thought he did fade off a fair bit. He looked brilliant in that first 10 minutes. Got involved, had three runs or so. But other than that, I don't think he did a huge amount in the back end of that game. But Second half and the three scrums that played through, though, <clears> their <throat> two feeds, they got attacking penalties and blew the Hurricanes off the ball. Yeah. And then the he third also one, they, they basically stopped the Hurricanes from getting any forward momentum on their own scrum. Like He did his core role very well as well. But we oh, still want it on the record. He's a grub, just to be clear. Oh, yeah, he's, he's an absolute he's an absolute grub. grub. <laughs> well, I, I thought you guys were being a little bit generous to him. Very good. All right. Um, box kicking. How did that turn out? Woeful. There was just terrible kicks all around in, in this one. It was almost as bad as the line-out throwing. You, can, we, can we blame it on um, TJ's um, HIA? Did he get hit hard enough that his, uh, the axis was off, the compass was off? I don't know. It was, there was just yeah. some... I, I was trying to toss up, oh, yeah, TJ maybe was looking a little bit better at one point, but then he just did two or three terrible kicks afterwards. It was scary. Yeah. So <clears throat> half time was fifteen to nineteen. <clears throat> in the second half, the Crusaders finally got a penalty. I'm not really sure how at eight one and ten four you don't actually get a yellow card in that first half. And I think that's a big grievance with a lot of fans as well at the moment. That if you're going to give so many penalties, you need to escalate at some point. But uh, we won't we won't go into that too much here. Someone who wants to take us <clears throat> to the back end of this game and how it all finished up. Great. Why not? Uh, my boy Asafa Amua came on the bench. Came off the bench, rather. Came <clears throat> off the bench. Um, off the bench. <laughs> uh, and um, how did he go? I can't even remember, to be honest. <laughs> he, um, he, um, he also threw the ball terribly in the line-out. But, um, standard, standard, yeah. Yeah, so he, he just kept, continued that on straight from goal. So 
Um, I think he had a few few good runs, things like that. But yeah, the um, definitely had that momentum. A few good Sorry? runs. He scored that good try in the sideline. Remember no, that edge. Oh yes, thank you. The the play with um Lamarpe, that's right. The, that was a fantastic offload from Lamarpe. Oh, that was brilliant. That's that's absolutely point. brilliant. Yeah. But um yeah, look, he ran five meters. So uh, I don't think you can do too much with that and really defenders, but no, he um yeah, he did okay. Now, but of course, the the absolute game breaker for the Hurricanes was uh, Kobus Van Vike coming off the uh, the bench. Um, just passing the ball to Richie Mwanga to he's just passing to the Crusaders for a try. Um, I was just like, at, at what stage, like maybe the first year you play rugby, they tell you to not throw the ball back in blindly. To was it team. actually Cobus? Because I swear yes. to God that yes. commentating was wrong. It was Billy Proctor. No, no, it was Cobus. No, it was not Billy Proctor. They wasn't, Cobus. Billy Proctor wasn't on yet. Yeah, no, no, he no, was. Billy Proctor came on early, mate. Cobus Van Vyke wasn't even no, in the side. I'm no, no, he was definitely Cobus, 100%. Guys, there's no point in arguing about it. Cobus Van Vyke was on the right wing. Billy Proctor was on the left wing. They said it in the match. Yeah, he came on. He's not on Cobus the side, Van Vyke. He's not in the team. Mate, he came on. No, no, no. It was, de- it was definitely, definitely Cobus, 100%. But, um, yeah, no, anyway, do we think this game was – I thought it perhaps in that – you know, obviously it blew out at the end there, but I thought in the balance – it was a bit closer in the middle than I thought. You know, I, honestly, after the first couple of minutes, I just thought, well, here we go. Confirmed everything we've said. I think we were pretty spot on last week. We said um, Crusaders just going to annihilate everyone. And, um, I mean, obviously, they ended up doing it. I don't think there was any... We can blame it on Rust. I think the Crusaders, the, the Hurricanes did just um, pick up their game, really, um, in the middle bit of that game. But uh, what's, the, yeah. what, what's the last takeaways before we delve into the stats? Any, any last um, takeaways? The, the Crusaders can just score with anything. <laughs> that Razor Robinson is an unbelievable coach because we thought this was the year they're going to have a lot of turnover and it was going to be uh, in players and it was going to be a big ask for them to be dominant again, but they're just still so good. Yeah. Very good. All right, the match stats. Um, Line-out's terrible. Theme of New Zealand. Um, the Hurricanes, 75%, so 9 of 12. And the Crusaders, 10 of 15. Not what you would have thought from the Crusaders. Terrible. Uh, penalties, 12 to the Canes, 15 to the Crusaders. So I, I, I do feel like if anyone's going to lead the penalty count, it's the Crusaders. That's one thing they always uh, they are very good at. They like leading. I think they just like leading all stats. So that's why they give away so many penalties as well. You know what I mean? They're like, we want to be up there. We want to top every fucking category. That's the... And losing line-outs for sure. Tackle success, they won. They had 84%, whereas the um, Hurricanes only had 80%. Very good. Do you want to take us through the, the fantasy points, Nels? Why not, mate? Fantasy man of the match and just real life man of the match. The guy was a legend. Will Jordan, 77 points, 111 metres off 13 runs. So almost that one run, uh, 10 metres a, a run. Uh, eight tackle busts, three line breaks, two offloads. He had a try assist and three from three trap tackles. And he just, he split through the smallest amount of room. It was absolutely ridiculous. Um, that bloke would fit a semi-trailer through my legs. Uh, but the Crusaders, David Havili got 49 points in 40 minutes with five tackle busts. Sever Reese got 42 points for the Canes. Uh, I think Jackson Gunnar-Bashup actually had a, a pretty good game. He had 42 points. TJ Perinara had 40 points. Definitely helped by the ref obstructing uh, Bryn Hall down that sideline when he made that break. But he did well too. True that. Uh, I think uh, we're all waiting for, we said last week, Jordy Barrett to come back and play 10, please. Uh, I think, and I think that's a legit option. I thought Chase Tiatia has been probably the the form player for the Hurricanes the last two weeks. How about Chase Tiatia tapping the ball in from jumping from the oh, yeah. outside of the field? Yeah, Justin Marshall made a comment about this. Remember, I spoke about this at the World Cup as well. Yeah. The rule is so clear: it's as soon as it crosses the plane of touch, yeah, the ball is out. So there is no touching it back in. There's no jumping from outside back in. As soon as it crosses the plane of the line, then it's out. So, but even uh, then, the rule when it's been misinterpreted in the past has been if you jump from inside the field to hit yeah. it back because the yeah. player was in when he jumped. And now yeah. they've changed it again. I love that Marshall's like, I didn't think that was the rule, but he's the ref, so I assume he knows. <laughs> yeah, he didn't back himself, which is unusual for Justin Marshall. But He no. got everything else wrong in this game, but we'll let him have this one. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty much what he said. That's it. Very good. All right, well, let's move along to our main course. So those are the games on the weekend. Um, and the games coming up next weekend, the Hurricanes have a 
by to figure out what's going wrong and how can they get Geordie Barrett back? If they all get in there, just each one of them massage him, you know, take turns. I don't know what they need to do. Um, so it came to the bye. And the first game, we've got the Blues at home taking on the Highlanders. So both undefeated in uh, this competition. Um, who, do we, who do we have returning? Who wants, to, who wants to take us through this game? Oh, this, this is all Harry. Don't, don't all jump at once. Harry, mate. Oh, sorry, I, I just saw someone was uh, getting involved, so I thought I'd let you have it. Neher Milnaskata, obviously, is the one that we all want to see. Uh, there's definitely a bit of a weakness, in, in my opinion at least, with that right wing with Sam Gilbert over there. So I think uh, it's Neher Milnaskata's jersey, if he can get himself fit and right. He's obviously been off for 18 months, uh, having, I think, recurrent <clears throat> shoulder injuries even. I think it might have been two in a row having a, a lats and, and a secondary problem there. So he was originally said to be targeting rounds three or four. So hopefully we see him this week. Uh, not sure 100% just yet. There definitely hasn't been anything to confirm just I, um, Yeah, I heard something from him as well. He's saying he's, he's early on in his career, his injuries were all lower limb. So it was hard to sort of come back from. These are all upper body. So he's... Apparently fit, he's quick, he's agile, but it's it's just getting that shoulder right so he can actually take the contacts. Oh, he's a winger anyway. He doesn't need to tackle, does he? Just don't make tackles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. Mate, put him at fullback, mate. Will Jordan made three tackles that. He could just miss three and they'll be fine. Sweet. Yep. <laughs> For sure, mate. The but other yeah. one, um, on, on the other injury front as well, just to knock them off, Joshuane, we still don't have any more um, informa- information about his groin injury, his groin tear. Generally, it is something that players play through and it's not 100% fit, with, unlike some of the other muscle injuries, just because it stops your lateral movement, your sideways and your step, which is obviously a big part of his game. But they can kind of play straight up and down the field a little bit more and even get a little bit of a kicking game or a shorter kicking game off as well. So you won't see him kicking for goal if he's not completely right. But I wouldn't surprise me if he played if he was half fit. It depends how serious that tear was. And then the last one, I mean, the guy that everyone wanted to see when they were making the announcements, Dan Carter. He uh, (laughs) came out and he admitted that he has to play catch-up to get his fitness right back up to the level of uh, the other Kiwi Super Rugby players. He said he was trying to do a block, a month block of training at the moment. And then even at that point, he was going to try and see where he matched up against some of the other players. So we'll kind of see if he's up to scratch at that point, but you won't see him for at least another couple of weeks. Is the, uh, do you reckon the deals, um, once he beats Bowden's Bronco, then they'll start him? Is that the... Uh... Yeah, exactly. Good luck. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I think the, the big talk that we, we uh, alluded to and then uh, I suppose has been coming out of the Blues is that back row. Right? We already touched on it before, but after that performance last week, do you think they could really change it up? Um, the writing's on the wall, I think, for, for Blake Gibson. I'm not sure if um, if the boys are fit to go. Tom Robinson, he's obviously could pose a bit of a threat, a bit of a dilemma there because um, if he does come back, he, he's been really solid at that number six role as well, but... There's no word on, on how his injury is going, as far as I know. Does anyone have a problem with playing Tom Robinson at lock? I mean, huh? I mean, I know, look, obviously, yes. pa- Paddy Tupelot is really good and Josh Goodhue's not bad as well, but if you want to fit them all in there, just put Robo on in lock. He's just not a lock. I think you might start to ruin the balance of the team. The only thing I would say is that uh, Hoskins Tutu did get, did get up and steal a line out on the weekend, so maybe he's a lock as well. Just play that position, doesn't it? Yeah, but what do you lose in Tom Robertson putting him in lock? You gain from Akira playing six. So maybe it does work. That's true. And and what uh, on Hoskins, I mean, we're talking about how terrible the lineouts have been in, in uh, New Zealand. The Blues probably have had the, the form lineout. I mean, with Paddy, Goodhue, and Hoskins, for all intents and purposes, another lock, the way how athletic he is and getting up there. Um, yeah, if you add if we add Big Red back in there as well, they'll be unstoppable. That's four options. That's four very good options in the lineout. Does Big Source take that many lineouts? So I thought it was more of like a backup option. <clears throat> I think he, well, he, he would be the backup there. option out of those out of those four, but uh, he's definitely an option. I mean, he's a tall bloke. He gets up there. Yeah. Um, another thing was yeah, look, those those Highlanders that forward pack was really dominant last week. Yes, it was under the roof in good weather. And you could see something a little bit different if we see that wet weather like we did on Sunday's match. But it's just going to be a big task for those forwards moving forward. Um, yeah, the back row is solid. The, the second row is good news actually really impressed me. Um, but it's going to be a different ask, I suppose, for them this week too. I hadn't actually thought about it till just then. But yeah, I'm 
pretty bloody excited for the so Tutu Akira versus oh. Frizzell and Tutu. I mean, that is whew, that is heat right there. Been, all this talk about Tutu and people are forgetting about Tutu. Tutu. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and uh, forget about Frizzell, mate. He hasn't done anything in eighteen months. He has not. That's, That's really sad. I'm not going to argue it. It's fair. Yeah. 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 Look, Ken can uh, confirm as well. Auckland's looking at rain on Saturday, so might be a bit of a grind. There you go. Mm. That means uh, not very much from the backs. We'll be good to see. Uh, you know, I was talking about the Blues' left edge uh, in the review of the game from last week and how deadly Caleb Clark and before that Talea was. Well, I, I was just looking at through the Highlanders team and Janan Arecki and Rob Thompson are, are two very solid counters to that. If there was a couple of backs out wide that could shut down some of that attacking flair and just make good decisions and put good hits on, I feel like Narecki and Rob Thompson are right up there as two of the best players to actually do it. So that, Throw Tompkinson in as well. I think. Yeah, I think throw Tompkinson as well. That guy's a hitman shooting out of line and, and shutting down those opportunities. And he is a guy that can shift out a little bit wider on that defensive line as well. He doesn't always stay in tight. So, I mean, they've got a few guys there that definitely could, could try and shut down and put a bit of pressure there. So it'll be interesting to see if, if that's their tactics this week. Yeah, I think, I think Bobby T is one of those defenders that always makes really good decisions. So he'll be a big impact in that team. He makes the smarter decisions than Tompkinson. But Tomkinson does like to hurt people. So he's the yellow card magnet. Is what he is. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Very good. All right. Well, in terms of forwards, we uh, we might see Liam Coleman back into the mix. Um, Ash Dixon did play very well last week. He bagged himself a try. First try scorer. Harry didn't bet on him, um, even though he was allocated him. Uh, and advised to. It's true. Yep. But um, I mean, Coleman. If you had to pick one of the two, you're picking Coltman, right? He's, the, he's an all-black. 100%. 100%. So, um, despite they, they have shared that role very well, and Dixon's a key part of the leadership, I think we'll see Coltman slot back in for this game. They need him. Um, and, yeah, I mean, do we discuss the Highlanders line? Harry and I were talking about the Highlanders line out. <laughs> I said I couldn't remember at the start of um, Super Rugby 2020. I just remember them standing out. I couldn't remember if they were really bad or really good. And we, we ended up concluding that they were terrible. Their line-out was not very good in Super Rugby. So yeah, I think so. Interesting to see if, uh, if they, where they'll come out for this one. I don't remember how they... I think they, they went really well in the first week, first, first round of this competition. But yeah. um, they'll Just need to be... Harry Parkinson, mate. That's all you need. Mm. That's it. But if you're only throwing it to one bloke, it kind of makes it an easy target. You know what I mean? Like, um, Apparently not. Have a three-man line-out and just throw it to <laughs> Now, Frizzle jumps as well. Frizzle, yeah, no, Frizzle does. Um, yeah, we'll we'll see we'll see how we go with that. But um, what uh, what's what's the Highlanders' play here? What are they? What can they do different that um, uh, both the Hurricanes and the Chiefs haven't haven't managed to do against the Blues? Harry, uh, t- to be honest with you, I think their best chance is the fact that they could potentially have a much harder working and more accurate forward pack than those two sides. I'm not really sure what they can do that those two sides can't do other than that, to be honest. So um, they would have to really nullify the Blues forward pack if they're going to have a chance. Excellent. Yeah, I threw you that curveball, and I'm glad you were being honest with me, Harry. I would be worried if you weren't, so um, that's always important. <laughs> um, did we talk about – you mentioned Sam Gilbert. I, I see your nose. Did we mention Josh Mackay? Have we given him a uh, – Shout out. Look, he's a guy we were, there was a real buzz about leading into this season. So much of a buzz that he was in my fantasy side. And he... And then Mike. Side, he, was, he, was, he, was, he was quite quite poor, really. But it would be nice to see him have a, another crack. But uh, it's it's hard to know. He, he wasn't there during that first match. And I, I don't know why they, they pulled a guy out of what seemed obscurity from people outside New Zealand. So maybe there is more to it. If not, maybe they, they just expected more from him. That's true. I definitely hyped up uh, Josh McKay. I mean, he was the leading ITM try scorer and he's absolute lightning. I may have gone as far to say as uh, he's going to fill the shoes of, uh, oh, sorry, fill half the shoes some of the shoes of Ben Smith. I don't know what I said there, but um, yeah, no, but um, we'll see how he goes. All right, well, that might round us out for that game. Should, uh, Harry, no, sorry. One more. For you. This is my theory. Mitch Hunt and Atera Black are the exact same player. Great kicking yeah. games, make great decisions, good under pressure, don't offer anything else. What do you think? 
I think they're the same player, but used in different ways. Hunt's the guy you finish a game with. That's not oh, Terry Black. They're both a kind of, you know, bring your pillow with you type of player, really. Um, you know, like just, it's not what I want in my 10. Uh, I'll no, leave no it there. No one's going to name your fantasy side after Mitch Hunt. No, they're not. They're, well, the Iceman. I don't know. He's got, he's, he's been, he's, he's got some, some merit before us, but um, all right. Well, with that, uh, with that bombshell, uh, let's move on to the next game. Uh, traditionally, I would say over the last few years, probably produced some of the best rugby we've ever seen. Um, I could think of some Crusaders and Chiefs games. Remember that one in Suva and Fiji? I don't know. There's, oh, yeah. there's probably two or three have been some of the best games I've ever watched. So um, I don't know if that will be that level of rugby will be reproduced again this weekend. But um, either way, yeah. it's always an exciting game. It'll be interesting. Interesting to see. I think this is a must-win for the Chiefs if they get another loss here. That's that's probably going to rule them out. Seeing as you've got eight matches, it's a race to the finish. There's no finals, so it's going to be a really important one for them. Uh, Gatlin was talking that the the team was trying to overplay their hand because they didn't think that the set piece was solid enough. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see how they come out of this one. There's people that you'd love to throw in this match. You'd love to throw Ardron on um, to, to sort of shore up that forward pack a little bit. You'd love to throw Sam Kane in, um, but he's missed that first two rounds with, with a lower back injury, and there's still definitely no certainty around when he'll be returning. Um, but Gatlin did say Kane uh, went for a scan and that he's probably going to get an injection. So uh, I'm not too sure. Are we thinking a cortisone injection? I, I don't really know what his back injury is there, Harry, um, but we should see him soon. Yeah, I would think, um, you know, originally they were saying he was just pulling up tight from from footy, which I would have thought was, you know, a pretty uh, insignificant back injury. And, and I was expecting him to come back pretty quickly. But if they're talking cortisone, and I can only assume that they're doing it because they're worried he's got a nerve root injury or something like that. You're like, mm. press nerves. So if that was the case, you're looking at six weeks, 12 weeks, a lot of the time to get back from those kinds of things. And, and I don't think a cortisone injection is any kind of guarantee for him to be back soon either. So I think Gatlin might be uh, playing the bluff at the moment that you might see Sam Kane earlier rather than later. And I'm not sure that's true. So, you know, the, the wording around his injury and how it's progressing at the moment is not overly positive, to be honest. Yep, for sure. Sounds like he just needs a bit of uh, Danko rub, mate. A bit of deep heat, you know what I mean? Just uh, that's the from the medical. Tiger balm, mate. You need some tiger balm. Tiger balm, exactly. A little bit of harden the cup. Uh, no, too much. Um, <laughs> yeah, Harry. What what else is uh, to look forward to in this game? That's a great question. <laughs> Thank you for the question. Uh... Uh, look, the the thing I'm hanging out for is clearly Solomon Alamalo. <laughs> you. Who starts? Uh, who's he start over? Sean Wanui or Sean Stevenson? One of, one of the Sean's has got to go. One of them. My gut feeling is Wanui is still the preference of those juniors. Yep. So I reckon he'll start and Alamalo will replace Sean Stevenson. Yeah, if you, don't spell Sean, if you don't spell Sean properly, then you're probably going to get dropped. That's all I'll say. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah sure. Um, yeah, uh, Harry and I were talking about this. Stevenson sort of that Rob Horn of the team. Is always good. No, sorry, Wainuri is sorry. He's always good, but there's just something that doesn't seem right about him. He's just, he, but he's been so solid for them week in, week out. Stevenson is all promise, and he's, he's maybe fulfilled a little bit of that recently, but he just doesn't have that consistency that you, you get from Wainuri. So I think Wainuri will stay there. That's it, isn't it? Shooters a bit hit or miss. Um, and Wainuri is also important because he, uh, the way that they uh, roll out their 23, he covers the centres as well. So. Um... Yep. Yeah. Um, speaking of centres, uh, we, we say it every week, Nankavell or Quintapai. Mm. I mean, I, th- I feel like Quintapai is just getting further and further established there. He was, as we said, he was their top uh, fantasy player last week, so the most contributions around the park. Um, yeah. Mm. It, it, he's, he was an interesting one. I mean, he, he offered so much in attack and he was very threatening, but... He did just drop the ball cold in some pretty important moments. He, he made a few really big errors, which maybe that's just showing his age. He, he's only, what, 21 or so. Mm. Um, and they've sort of thrown him in that deep. And when they've got a really good class option there as well. So uh, whether they go back to sharing that time, something they were doing early on in Super Rugby this year, I, I don't know. But it'll be interesting to, to see how that evolves. Well, the issue is I don't think Nankavell's ever established himself as a, a big enough mainstay 
to uh, to warrant selection. I think Tamua Manu is probably the bloke that's a higher chance of pushing up to that starting role if anyone. God, I forgot he existed. To be honest with you, I just talk about we talk about Nagavel so much. Um, well, I think we were thinking of um, yeah ALB at twelve and and thinking that I suppose Nagavel can play both. Tamua Manu can play both. I think we've talked about this before as well. Do you guys? So I I think ALB needs to get more involved. Like I have no doubt that um, he's doing all that stuff that you don't see, like really keeping the ship afloat in in defence, just calling out, you know, movements and where to go and whatnot. But uh, he just hasn't managed to get himself into it in 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 the offence. I don't know if he's just not roaming as much or what it's been. But uh, do you think? We think he's better in Super Rugby at 12 or 13. I've always thought he can inject himself more at 13. You guys would disagree with me. He's no. better at 12, I think, generally. I, I think he's, he's shown himself to be a better 13. Um, I thought he could evolve into a, a great 12. Um, but I suppose it depends on who, who that uh, centre pairing is with him, that partner is with him, because he can play a very different game when he's got Nankerville with him, very different game when he's got Tumurumanu with him. But um, he, he's not having as much influence as 12 as he has at 13, I think. Yeah, I don't well, is mind it, is Put him anywhere. Yeah, he had a bit of a quiet game, but I'm not that worried. He's, he's, I still said, you know, all through the World Cup, I think he's the best centre in the world. So I'm not, I'm not worried wherever you put him. Yeah, no, I just mean, how, do, how does he get more involved? And I can only think at 13, perhaps, is, is where they can do it. So. Give him the ball more. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, at 12, he thinks he has to pass it. Yeah, give it to Quinta Bay, the best center in the world. Just hold on. It's, it's it's not the same as La Marpe, mate. Where you just want to give him the ball every time, and you got to give him the ball and a bit of space. Yeah, work his magic. Yeah, for sure. The, the last time these guys played each other was in round two uh, of the actual Super Rugby this season. Chiefs getting the job done, twenty-five to fifteen. But that was a Mawanga-less crusade, as if you remember. Havili was playing twelve, and he looked good at ten. Sorry, and he looked good at ten. But they will be a different side with Moanga controlling that that back line and controlling the side around the paddock. We I touched on this earlier. This was the one I was thinking. Brad Weber with his head knock, he he passed that HIA. Um, but Gatlin was saying he has to go through the pro- protocols this week. Um, so that's where the one we were talking about before. Um, yeah. But yeah, look, the Chiefs. I think uh, well, just just on that. I think you didn't give that's this. We didn't give the the, uh, the Chiefs a big enough of a shout out just then. You know, we've been bagging the Chiefs, saying we're amazed at how they've lost. Was it the last four, four of the last five, or four yeah. of the last five? I think. But I mean, that's yeah. Just this year, the Chiefs beat the Crusaders. I mean, you know, that's a big deal. That's that's no mean feat right there. The Moonga less Crusaders, though. I don't even care, mate. If Tavili was playing ten, like you know, does it make that much of a difference? Yeah, very true. Yes. <laughs> it does. Not fair. Um, but yeah, look, look, yeah, go the, on. And one more point out of this one for me, at least, was um, the Chiefs. Are, this they're the team that are playing four matches in a row on the trot. Um, so they've had a couple tough matches. Do we start to see that rotation? So do we start to see another centre come in? We're already talking about another winger come in. Do we see some of these guys having a little bit of a break? Because this is week in, week out, tough footy against another Kiwi opponent. You don't get your week off against the Waratahs or, or the or the Rebels or, you know, like this is hard physical match week after week. I feel like they have to win this week and then they're at home next week against the Hurricanes, which, I mean, there's no easy game, but it's probably the easier of the two games. So I reckon you've got to throw all your chips in this week and try and get the win over the Crusaders away from home and then uh, and then try and consolidate next week. So definitely yeah. a couple of tweaks, but I reckon more subs next week. Yeah. All right. Well, then with that, let's um, put our tips in. So what are our two um, tips? We'll start with... Hold up. Hold up the press. All right. And uh, you won't read it anywhere else. Scott Ooh. Barrett. Are they reading this conversation? or? I hope they do listen to this conversation because I'll tell them what's going to happen. Scott Barrett has a plantar fascia tear. Um, and basically now Razor Robinson has said that he's in risk of missing all of oh. the Super Rugby Aotearoa season. Um, and basically, if you have a look at these high-grade injuries, they're often three, four plus months to come back. And if it's a rupture and he's looking at surgery, you're looking at, you know, 12 months. And the, these sur- these surgeries aren't that successful. There's not that much research into them at this point. They, they can be relatively dire situations. You'd expect him to come back, don't get me wrong. But 
they're nowhere near as well established in the research as what a lot of other injuries are. So he yeah. definitely missed this season, definitely. Yeah, it's, that's big. It all depends on how bad it is. But even if it's a minor tear of that plantar fascia, that can be a lingering, really tough injury to get through. You lose some power and you push off. That, lose, that means you lose your speed, you lose your vertical jump. You, uh, you're in a boot for four to six weeks, which is a big deconditioning element as well. Like, it, it's a serious problem for him. Yeah, for sure. And isn't it just sad that classic Crusaders, oh, no, they don't have anyone to replace him. No world-class All Blacks that just came back into the team at all, like Sam Whitelock. Yeah. <laughs> uh, classic. Um, okay, well, very good. There you go. Heard it here first, the expert medical knowledge um, of the Dales. So, anyway, now uh, you can't – you've now had some time to think. Uh, tips. We're going to go with Nels first. Who are you tipping these two? Oh. I'm just, I'm, last week was all about the away sides. This week's all about the home sides. I think the Blues and Crusaders are going to get it done and continue their form through this one. The wet weather, maybe that throws a, a bit of a trouble in, into that first game, but um, I, I do think that's the way it's going to go. The, the Blues got through the wet weather last week, um, and I think they'll do the same again. Very good. Harry, are you following suit? Yeah, mate. Akira Yuan and Hoskins the Tutu. Mate, play me wet weather any day of the week. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like that. Is, I mean, you can't dip against them, can you? Oh, I thought you just weren't going to say anything about the other game. Just like it, it didn't need to be said. Yeah, well, look, I'll make it three from three. I think it's hard to go against those. Um, I mean, the Highlanders at the start, I think we were all shocked they won the first game of this competition because at the start of the year, we were like, yep, they're finishing bottom for sure. Yeah, they're, they're not, not so bad, but they're, they're a good side and they looked a lot more organised. So it definitely won't be an easy win. No, that's for sure. Um, I say but, definitely, uh, but maybe I'm not that confident, but it shouldn't be an easy win. They, they had good. a pretty troubling period before this break. So hopefully that's not a one-off and they've changed things because they, they had three on the trot losses, including the Rebels, um, <laughs> leading into the break. So hopefully they're a new side. Yeah, very good. Now Helen Lascada to come in and score three tries. Um, <laughs> All right, so that takes us on to our dessert. What you going to do with that dessert? Yummy, yummy dessert, not brought to you by anyone. Um, it can be, if you wanted to. It can be, exactly. So insert ad here. Still waiting to be back from Backline Wines, the fellas from uh, the, the ex-Wallabies players there. Adam Ashley Cooper, Matt Guido, and Drew Mitchell haven't replied to me about uh, sponsoring the pod. I'll just, I'll just throw it out there as well. Like, I'm pretty unique with my desserts. I'm happy to have Biltong for dessert. So it can be a meat product, it can be alcohol, it can be whatever you want. I'm yeah, we're, we're pretty easy, actually. Yeah, we don't, we don't, we're not, um, I don't know how to say like mealist, as in like we don't uh, discriminate yeah. against anything. Except yeah. Nelson and being gluten free, that's the only thing we discriminate against. But um, not not by choice. Doesn't say gluten free. That makes it sound like a choice. No, very good. Actually, you mentioned that. Look, hot, another hot off the tip. Uh, mentioning Drew Mitchell and Mackie. You know, we all know Drew Mitchell's. I think signed for the uh, Major League Rugby next year. Um, and Matt Gitto, very close to, if not already, signing for the new LA Guillotines or whatever terrible name. They've actually been told to change their name. Terrible, you... terrible name. Hopefully we see some more like the Jackals. But, Craig, yes. so what, our main, main go here in dessert, what are we looking at here? Well, uh, Harry's going to spearhead us on this one because it was his yeah. idea. But um, dessert, so let's get into it. Um, I think it's which players, well, we've now seen all teams play in, Super Rug, in this Super Rugby competition. Um, which players have really stood out and who do we think are going to, uh, uh, who is going to really rise uh, whose stocks are really going to rise and who's, who's uh, going to fall down the ranks um, as the weeks go on. So, Harry, do you want to start? Yeah, look, to be honest with you, I wanted to do this off the cuff, so I've purposely not thought about it at all. Um, but I'll, I'm happy to go right now. We I crush think, off the cuff, don't we? Yeah, that's Someone's right. got to go first. So I, I guess the first thing is I think in general – because the teams are so stacked, it's going to be really hard for the teams that aren't winning to have players really standing out. So I think it probably doesn't bode as well for your D-Max, even for your Alamalos, Jacobson, Beauchere with the change in the rucks. I think your really damaging forward runners are going to be where the value is in a lot of those back rowers and that kind of thing as well. 
Um, so, you know, your Hoskins, the two, two, Akira, Iwano, I expect them to completely continue to dominate. Makiela Tu'u, I think, is a name that will continue to get bigger and bigger, especially if the Highlanders can continue to put a little bit of form up on the board, finish middle of the table somewhere. Um, and in terms of other rising players, I did have one, but I'll just stall momentarily while I remember who it was. <laughs> um, <laughs> Caleb Clark. Uh, is the one I'm going to go for. The fact that he's been picked on the left edge above Mark Talea just means to me that he should get a lot of game time and, and obviously has been very, very good to start as well. Yeah, look, we've had four matches. There's probably not been too many other people that have really shown that you, you didn't touch on there. I think in terms of people that maybe maybe it's tough, but that, that I'm thinking might fall is I think we're going to see a, a, a fall in the likes of Duplessis Karifi. Um, yeah, I, I think we're going to need to see um, Sevilla is not as influential dynamically around the, the field. So he's going to be doing that work that you, you probably see Kariffi do a little bit. Um, and they're going to need something else in that back row. Um, he hasn't been super impressive for me. He's had some, some positive moments, but he's given away a lot of penalties, um, which I, I don't think is a solid thing for him. Um, who else? Who else is going to fade away? Um, maybe it is the likes of someone that we've already started to, to rise a little bit. Garden Bashup's had a few few good weeks, and I think it was actually very solid this week. But maybe we do see the likes of someone like Barrett come in, take his position, and, and then we don't see much more of him in that back end of the the weekend uh, of the the season. Jordy, yeah, it'd be great to see. Very good. Um, well, just uh, while I had some time to think just then, I was thinking about um, old mate Ricky Riccatelli. Is he, um, is he injured? Is that why Asafra Mua is... Um... Nothing that's been talked about. Well, that's good because that's... Uh, look, don't get me wrong, Ricky Riccatelli has been great, yeah. but uh, all he's been doing is keeping my boy Asafra Mua off the bench. And um, it's great to see him get some a few opportunities and it feels like he's really taking them. So I think, um, look, obviously Amua is not going to be pushing... Dane Coles for time, but um, I think he's someone who, only, with more time, you know, is someone we can get more and more excited about for the future. Um, and look, other players I'll call out who I think just are different, who I think will, will grow as they um, get more time under their belt. Quintapaya, I just, uh, I really like what I've seen. I mean, obviously I talk, we talked a lot about, and I always keep mentioning, I'm a big fan of Alex Nagerville. And uh, I think Harry said last week, can't we just play all three? That's pretty much the only solution that we have for it. But um, I just think he's shown, um, whilst, yeah, he's certainly made a few mistakes that might be characteristic of his age and experience, um, he's just got all the attributes. You know, I think we yeah. forget his speed. He's really, really strong. And once he can lock down a few of those defensive decisions, I mean, he's he's inside the best centre in the world, as Harry said, Anton Leonard-Brown. You can't have him like that. He's outside him. Sorry, outside him. Um, you can't have anyone better to learn from, really. So, yeah. Um, he is a guy. I think he's got all that, those raw abilities there, and, and he's a, an awesome player. So the, the more game time, the better I think for him. How about the, the last two that we sh- maybe are worth mentioning? Uh, are two wingers that had been so solid in the past that hadn't had that opportunity. We touched on Mark Talaya, and then my other thought was Wes Husen. Mark Talaya, yeah, Husen. Uh, what do you boys think of these guys? Are we going to see Mark Talaya get himself more involved? And Wes Husen, as I said, I. I I just he had ball and he had some opportunities in the weekend, but I just didn't seem to to, to see that flair that he's had in the past. I don't know what it is. I, I think Wilson's in uh, a challenging position to have a really good season. I think he's going to be in a losing team, and I don't think he's had enough of an impact when they were doing well. To be honest, mm. we all like what we've seen from him in patches, but he's not been consistent enough. So he's a very skilled quality player, but I, I don't think we're going to see a big season for him by any means. Yeah. And on to Leia, I think he's been pretty quiet in the last two weeks con- compared to the start of the season. But having said that, he's still been rock solid. So, you know, I, I think his stocks will probably come down a little bit from where they were pre-COVID, but I don't expect him to, to fade away either. I think he's, he's quite a good player and he's a, a big talent. All right, and look, I do, I do have, to, I have two more players. Uh, very quickly, I'll touch on them. One is Josh Goodhue. So I think he's he's been a quiet achiever. And I think he's kind of been this lock that uh, the Blues have been looking for to complement Paddy Tuipolotu, um, who just does the basics really well, is good at the line-out, good in the scrums, and 
you know, just goes about his work, just has a good work rate. Um, and he's just gets a, gets about his business. Doesn't do anything. Doesn't get penalized. Doesn't whatever. And I think that he has been just, he will just continue to grow and get better into that role. So I, and obviously his name's uh, he's a good you. So, um, He's bound, bound for higher honours. That's just standard. Uh, and then the last player is Vince Arso. Uh, I, I think we've all said, look, he needs to be playing at 13 um, outside Lamape. And he's, he keeps having these flashes of brilliance. I think exactly what you just said about Hussein playing in a losing team, unless the Hurricanes can get their act together. They really need Geordie Barrett back. Um, but if he can continue to be playing at 13, he, he shows some absolute brilliance. I mean, like that kick last week, that grubber he put through, um, mm. and some occasionally there's some runs. He's the only one who who really has been getting into open space. Who was getting into open space last weekend anyway. Um, I, th- I so. think Vince also just needs to make sure he doesn't overplay his hand. He just looks like yeah. sometimes he's trying to score off every single opportunity. And he yeah. makes a few mistakes because of that. Yeah, for sure. One, um, one guys. And yep. How about the opportunity for new All Blacks captain, Sam Kane, to come back at some point for the Chiefs and actually just bring their team back together. I, you know, I've, I doubted when it got called if he was the right player to be the captain of the All Blacks, to be honest. And I know not everyone's going to agree with that, but um, especially with the contest that he has in the back row with so many talented players there, if he can come back and bring that Chiefs team together, man, I, I think he'll really consolidate the leader that he is. Yeah, look, I, I think they're, they're missing his leadership. Um, the the one thing is you look at that back row and no there's no Sam Kane there but there's there's no mugs there either Luke Jacobson is an absolutely brilliant flanker um, Boshi is an absolutely brilliant flanker Peter Gus is is a, a dynamic eight I, I don't think what they're lacking is a a seven he's definitely not an eight I I honestly don't think Sam Kane's an eight definitely not at All Blacks level I just don't think he has the hands and some of the things that that you need from from an eight. I think he's an out-and-out seven. I think they've got two brilliant sevens there. Um, So if he changes this team around, it's not going to necessarily be what he does on the field. I think it's going to be his leadership and the way he can pull the team together. Yep, for sure. Very good. Well, lads, look, I think that might just about do us. Um, Unless we have any final remarks, I can't think of any. I can't think of any other players that are going to really fall off too much. Um, The only one is possibly, possibly Will Jordan, just with Havili... Coming back, probably sliding back into his 15 jersey. I think it's a matter of time until that happens. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, I think that'll, that'll probably just about do us. If, if you had to pick who you think is going to be the top Kiwi out of the rest of this season, out of the total of the season, who do you think it would be in terms of fantasy? David Avili. David Avili? <laughs> yeah, so keeping in mind... I'm in love with David Avili. I don't care anymore. He's, he's so good. Uh, he is very good. Keeping in mind, Mark Talea was the top prior to this, and we're thinking he'll drop down a bit. Great. We go. Do you go with a Caleb Clark there, or look? I'm just going to go with the, uh, the low-hanging fruit, Damien McKenzie, mate. He'll just the man finds a way. And I am going to. It feels like going out on stretch because he's he's not a, a back, but I'm going to say Hoskins Satutu. That guy is dynamite. Excellent. We all know who Nelson will be picking first in uh, in our draft in uh, two weeks' time. So, um, or sorry, picking eighth because um, that's you know the order goes on. Just to be clear. All right. Well, very good, lads. Great podcast. Uh, well done for getting all getting it all together and getting on Zoom. Uh, you can find the pod on YouTube once the video gets edited. And uh, thanks for again joining us. Until next week. See ya. Thanks, bloody. Big and strong, Davis. O'Brien finishes it. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that. Yes, boy. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that. Yes, boy. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that. Yes, boy.